Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to Three, a show about Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic, and part of the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm Gil Gross with Joel Drucker and Amy Lundy. It is time for the Wimbledon draw show. We have two of our three in the field. Not like Roland Garros when we had all three. We really enjoyed that. But it's Djokovic and Federer this time as Nadal has uh, pulled out, listening to his body, resting up, won't be in the Olympics either. Uh, but still, tons of intrigue. Uh, coming into this tournament. History on the line for Novak. Lots of mystery for Federer. Joel, what's the what's the sense you get? The the feeling uh, in the in the air that you're that you're getting with um Federer and Djokovic coming into this tournament. Oh yeah, so what do we got? We got history and mystery. But I think in the bigger picture what we have is the gratitude of the tennis community regathering at its cathedral. Wimbledon didn't happen last year, the pandemic and no other event more gathers the tennis community as its significance where no player is bigger than the game. So I think there's going to be some really thoughtful emotion and reflection as Novak prepares to take that walk on Monday morning to commence his title defense, to commence his quest for a six and a three-peat and all this kind of stuff. And he was last here two years ago. So I think that's going to be very powerful moments. And I, I want, I'm curious to see what the All England Club does to kind of mark the occasion of tennis returning in its ceremonial royal way. I think you're right and it's wonderful and I'm incredibly grateful that we're gonna be able to see Wimbledon, but there's something tugging at me saying it's still not quite back yet you know, the 50% capacity until the men's and women's finals when they'll have 100%. And just the whole spectacle. And, and I have friends in the UK and they're nervous to go still. And it's just, we're still being held back by this pandemic. And, and that's okay. That's okay. But I just want to call it like it is. Like it's, it's still, we're still not there yet. That's right. Yeah, that's so, interesting. But, but, but at least... There will be tennis. You're right. That's exactly right. There, mm -hmm. There's still a sense that things are happening. So the tennis gets to happen amid that. And again, no place carries that ceremonial dimension of the sport more richly than Wimbledon. Last year, it was canceled for the first time since World War II. And it just the, the whole tennis calendar and how we look at 2020, it was all thrown out of whack. I mean, the fact that there were three majors at the end of the year just didn't feel right. And uh, we're, we're very glad to be going uh, to our four and Novak goes for the grand slam, uh, a chance to win all four, having won the first two and on grass for me, Djokovic has been far and away the best player at his best. I don't think he's lost at Wimbledon in quite a bit of time. He, you know, retired against Sam query um, a couple years back, but, but really his results have been fantastic. Uh, and he seems to be kind of a consensus prohibitive favorite. But one of the things that I'm looking forward to so much in this tournament is more than any 
men's tournament that I ha- can remember in a long time. It feels like outside of Novak, we just don't really know what's going to happen in, in a way that almost rises to like the current state of, of the WTA field. It's not quite there, but I, I'm feeling that mystery. Yes, it's wide open for a group of contenders who are on the rise that Tsitsipas, Berrettini, Rublev, that Zverev, that group is just nipping and they seem to get closer. And, and a lot of these guys, the grass surface will suit them because like Berrettini is a big server and um, Tsitsipas volleys well. So it's more interesting than it would appear. I, I wouldn't say let's all just say Novak take the trophy right now. Right. It should be a good tournament. Yeah, is yeah. there is what Joel, what, what's your feeling on, on Novak? Do you think that people are are a little bit underselling the rest of the field against Djokovic? I think Novak is a strong favorite. No, I think none of the there isn't any data, there isn't any evidence that anyone else has really done anything. And, and particularly that was a rat, that was quite an effort in Paris, but it, I, it doesn't seem that it necessarily exhausted him because of who he is. I mean, that we haven't seen him play yet, but I think he's just gonna, he's just humming along. And uh, we wonder about Federer. Well, you haven't exactly seen that great tennis from him in his comeback. I mean, I don't think he would be that pleased with it. So. We're not sure. And then there's a whole bunch of other unproven's, unproven's, and we don't know. And the X factor of even playing on the grass and, and Novak's comfort on it. I mean, he seems in really, really good place. Joel channel double. Now it goes to the, the two week transition where it, it was the three week transition in, in recent years. How difficult is that? And what does it take to, to conquer that transition in your opinion? It was a lot tougher in the Bjorn Borg era where the clay and the grass played quite differently. I don't think it's quite as monolithic. I think it's more about winning matches. It's, it's, an, it's a neat thing. I don't think it's nearly as daunting. I think maybe then on the other hand, Novak taking the third major in the year is pretty interesting. But but let's not count out the, what do you call it, the, the Opelka-Isner factor, where you get a guy, I mean, I see Novak in the, um, in the second round, he could play Kevin Anderson. We played in the finals a few years ago. Now, Kevin Anderson isn't playing nearly as well as he was a few years ago, but at times he's troubled Novak here. He was beating, he was up two sets to love on him several years ago. So the the X factor of the grass, even now in its state, of a guy getting hot and serving 60 aces and who knows what can happen. So that that's what makes the channel double tricky to go from the rigors of clay to kind of the opportunism of grass. Okay, let's get into the draw now. Amy, Novak, we'll start with Novak. He's obviously the one seed. He's on the top half in the upper quarter of the draw. It's Jack Draper in the first round. Uh, what, do you, what do you make of uh, Djokovic's section? I don't like the way that these Grand Slam tournaments are seeded. I'll make no bones about that. I don't think that it is fair to the players who are just out of the seeds, who have done amazing, wonderful things, and um, 
have to play really tough opponents in the first round when I believe we have four matches in the first round that are qualifier versus qualifier. Um, I think personally, now people can argue with me top to bottom, I think that it should be seated just like the US NCAA basketball tournament and that each surface should have, or each tournament should have their committee that takes into account the surface. That way you wouldn't get a Medvedev seated number two at Roland Garros. But, um, so I, and, and also, so Novak's gonna play Draper in the first round, who's the wild card. Draper, who just knocked off Sinner and Bublik at Queens. Um, why would you give Draper a wild card and then feed him to the wolf? Um, it, it just, why wouldn't Novak be playing a qualifier in the first round? All so, right, so wait, I want to look at something here. Go ahead. Go ahead. That each tournament creates its own seedings in, in lieu of, it's funny, this gets to almost some ATP or PTPA stuff. See, yes. one, of the, one of the things, one of the reasons Wimbledon went to 32 seeds is because when it had 16 seeds and some player, and, and it took some player who was ranked 13 and he was a clay court specialist that he generated 49 weeks of really good results all around the world. And he's saying, I come to grass and you're not seeding me. And so Wimbledon's solution is, okay, we'll seed you. We'll seed you 22. We'll have more seeds instead of that. But I, I don't know. I think it gets to some interesting things about how the sport operates. It's each tournament, its own separate nation state, allowing it to then seed. Or is the seeding, should the seeding be a, the proper reward for 52 weeks of results? And what we have now is the fact that these rankings are still kind of in flux because we're we're protecting rankings so so the seedings aren't quite as accurate as they might have been so i'm not sure i'm not so i'm not sure that so where should okay if draper as a wild card is getting the first seed which is the luck of the draw where should he have been where should he have been he should have been seated 119 i mean placed 119 uh, put put Draper against somebody who is ranked, you know, 50 in the world or something like that. It's just, what's the point of giving the guy a wild card just to hand him to, and, and also Novak should not play someone who just knocked off Sinner and Bublik in Queens. I, wait, I, wait. I feel wait, strongly wait, 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 wait. That, that a qualifier should play, the elite players in the world should play the qualifiers. Okay, That's but now you're doing the same. So, you're taking someone who a, a wild card who earned a wild card by some results. The qualifiers have just played several matches to get out of the qualifying, and you talk about the wolves, but you're doing it like a. Remember one. Well, of the it reasons, depends on who the wild card is and why that person got the wild card. So wild card's not a good example. What I don't like is qualifiers playing each other when Jan Leonard Struff who just beat Medvedev and he beat Rublev at Roland Garros, he has to play Medvedev in the first round. He's and ranked Medvedev has to play in him. the world. And, and Medvedev, Medvedev has to play him, who he just okay. lost to. But, but, I, I, but the, the seedings, but the computer, the seating, the computer was invented to eliminate what I would call com, committee chicanery. You know, once upon a time, there were lots of rumblings that some of these, um, some of these committees would kind of, overtly yeah we're gonna put this person for that person it's like whoa whoa wait a second what's going on here that's kind of manipulative so that they would they well, would well i mean you know. does that happen in the ncaa basketball tournament in the u.s the it's and the, the tournament kills everybody loves it it's march madness yes there is some controversy but that's it's good, different people. though because 
nobody likes to watch the one seed against the 16. And we're suggesting if you put, if you put, okay, I think uh, not to pick on a player, but Yen Shen Lu is in the, is in the draw. He has not won any matches in the last three years, but he's using a protected ranking right now. If I, if you were getting Djokovic against Yen Shen Lu in every single tournament or, uh, or a player like him, I would never have any interest in Novak or Nadal's first round match. It would always never be intriguing. I'm really looking forward to Djokovic against Draper. Uh, you know, here's a here's a big lefty, obviously home, you know, um, Britishman who, or Brit, who, <laughs> Englishman. I was going to go with for Englishman. I didn't know if he was English though, or if he was from somewhere else in the I, UK. I gotcha. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that match. I don't want to see, uh, the worst player in the draw get, get the top. Gil, Gil, I'm sorry that you're not going to be entertained, but what about fairness? It's it's fine. Novak, if, if Novak wants to win Wimbledon, he needs to beat any player. He might draw any player 33 through 128. Like that's just the deal here. I, I don't think it's unfair. Yeah, I, I just I, I don't think it's unfair to the middle guys who have like Struth. That's just one example. There's a few more here in the draw. Um, and I think Novak through the PTPA, which we can table that discussion, but I think he sees the same problem, you know, coincidentally. And he, he wants to help the middle there. The the players ranked like 40 to 60. That's so just 64 now. So how about seat 64? You're saying almost saying we should seat 128. But I yeah. wouldn't mind it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think I think that I think they should seat 16. I think they I don't like seeing 32 seats, and I think they should seat 16. And I think also that um, it's part of the whole randomness of the draw, which and also the the, the U.S. NCAA basketball tournament is one, a single annual culmination of a season. Tennis has four of these each year, and yet. I I know I I think I don't know I don't see quite the solution. I mean, you want to Novak? Who's you want? Who's you want to help more? The the qualifier, the wild card, or the or the guy who's thirty eight? I want to help the players make a living and have a chance to elevate who have earned it with a pretty doggone high ranking, and yet they keep drawing because of randomness, they keep drawing really tough first round matches and they don't seem to get anywhere. They're just, it it, it evens out, right? Stroof, Stroof is a tough case. I'm really annoyed at Stroof, not him personally, but I'm annoyed that Stroof keeps getting awful draws as well. And I'm annoyed for the top players who keep having to face Stroof that, but at at the end of the day, like in the long run, it, it evens out, right? Yeah. I want to say to go, go get in the top 32. Go earn a seat and go win somewhere else. It than- just well, galls actually, me. It, it galls me to see qualifiers playing each other in the first round when there's that matchup. It, it's okay. So that's one thing that you could almost. Well, then do you say you, you do do you redraw or do you place? Like seeds are placed. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Because the, the placing this this gets into the whole um, the the chicanery aspect that once yeah, upon. Yeah, I, I see. You have a point there. That's okay. your best point. wow thanks okay cover the line there you go uh let's get let's get to the to the draw i'm I'm glad we you know we covered it and we'll see uh we'll see how people feel about this um i'm uh i'm kind of happy the way it is joel would seed 16 amy would seed 64 or 128 we're not sure yet uh 
uh, to me, Novak, besides Jack Draper, who, by the way, is also a boys uh, Wimbledon champion. He won it as a junior. Oh, excuse me. Finalist, finalist. Uh, but also just a, a big serve, a big game. Uh, someone who is going to be a factor at Wimbledon for years to come. Uh, that that's his first round matchup. He's young. He's probably not ready to do much, but it's going to be a fun one. And then in the second round, the great thing about the great thing about Wimbledon, unlike the clay clay, what happens on clay, you might have some, but they're going to take a while enough to grind your way through some points. There'll come a moment on grass. I mean, grass is a rewards opportunist and certain type of shot making. And he'll have a moment where he'll put together a sequence of shots and, and the crowd will go, will really enjoy that. And he'll, and then it'll happen. Right. And then, we, then we'll see. We'll see how he takes on the king. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of '90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Kevin Anderson. Likely in the second round, um, he'll need to go through Marcelo, Tomas, Barrios, Vera. Um, so Kevin Anderson, likely in the second round. We know what he's capable of. He's been injured on and off the last couple of years. He hasn't looked like himself in quite a while. But then after that, I look at Novak's section, and not that he needs an easy draw, but, oh, my God, it, it's clay quarters galore. This would be a nightmare section at Roland Garros. But it's an incredible section to be in at Wimbledon. You have Alejandro Davidovich Fakina. He'll be an underdog in the first round against Dennis Kudla. Christian Godin, clay quarter. Gail Monfils, awful form for him. Tough 2021. Wimbledon's his worst slam. Diego Schwartzman, a clay quarter. Yannick Sinner, clay is his best surface. Fabio Fanini, clay is his best surface. And then Andre Rublev um, on the other end. But it just feels like Djokovic got... A lot of guys who are a little bit overseeded, and he won't be happy with his first round. He might not be too happy to see Kevin Anderson in the second round, but in the fourth round um, and in the in the third round, he might be pretty pleased. Well, you know, like, uh, Kevin Anderson's a really tough situation. I mean, he's kind of like Roger in that, yeah, I, I remember him playing Tiafo during the clay season, and he somehow came out with that match, but it's not somebody I would want to see in the draw. Yeah. Kevin Anderson is potentially dangerous, but again, the great thing about being the number one player in the world is all, all draws seem kind of easy because you're number one, because these are yeah. guys who mostly know how to beat. <laughs> and even if they're, I mean, I don't know who would be overseated, you know, it's like, but again, I think, I think what we're really saying here is there, there aren't in the first through Novak's quarter, there isn't the Isner Opelka Karlovich, the guy who can hit 60 aces on a slick day and suddenly you're down a set and a break like or Sam query. Not that those guys are in their prime tennis, but they have a danger quality to them that Anderson has had before in his career too. Novak beat Anderson in straight sets in the final in, in 2018, correct? Yes. That was after Anderson, as you recall, had played the epic 26, 24 fifth set. Yes. That'd be over Isner. But Anderson also had Novak two sets to love a number of years ago. I mean, no, Novak's going to be very aware. I mean, I could, you, we could almost write that post-match soundbite of Novak about how do you feel about playing Kevin Anderson? Right, but I, I see very little reason, and I, I know that you know, KA was ham- hampered probably physically from the, 
the semifinal, although Djokovic also had 10-8 in the fifth over two days coming into that final. So both of them were probably uh, not at 100. Uh, I don't see much reason to think that in 2021, a second round match between the two is going to be more competitive than their final in 2018 when Anderson was actually at the top of his game. And I think Anderson we'll also beat Federer in that tournament. Yeah, I mean, did. to have to beat Federer and Novak, big ask. So, oh, he, 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 you he know, it, it, mentally he'll be fresher, but I don't know about his injuries. I feel like not a lot of people are talking about Rublev and not a lot of people are talking about Berrettini. So those are my sort of watch out for these guys. Picks. Amy, I think everyone is talking about Berrettini. That's my experience. Oh, really? Like on Twitter. Yeah. Really? Because I, I, yeah. <laughs> I sense that people see him a certain way and he's not really, he's underrated. That's not just my, my. See, I, I think, for example, now I look at the draw, if I want to do a little draw casting. Third round match, Berrettini and Isner. That's kind of crackling grass mm -hmm. tennis. And, and of course, okay, that's right. It's set tie break. It's set tie break. We have that now. We're not going the distance. But and I think Berrettini is a very different kind of grass court package than let's say Rublev. Berrettini's got bigger racket head speed and weapons and yeah, he's better grass court player. Bigger. Than, yeah, bigger. Yeah, the, the serve is a lot bigger. That's the, the I, I think even a bigger, yeah, but Rublev has has a big forehand as well. The right. big question marks to me are Tsitsipas because he just came off of a very emotional run and I don't know how he's going to react to losing that match. I mean, he could come through it great, or he could be like, good God, what just happened? So Tsitsipas is a question mark, and Federer is a question mark. I just don't know. I mean, who knows? I think yeah, Federer is a question mark than Tsitsipas. I think Tsitsipas, I mean, that doesn't mean Tsitsipas is going to get to the semis or finals, but I think he's going to be, you know, he's he's had his share of, up and down moments like those prior five setters he lost, such as Korch at the Open or Arinka a couple of years ago at Roland Garros. And I think he's kind of proven, I know how to play big, long matches. And though I lost my first slam final, I lost to a Titan at Roland Garros. And, and here I go yet again. And as long as he's assuming he's physically healthy, um, I think he's going to be, okay, I have more questions about Federer. Well, yeah. but before we get to Federer, I, I want to make a, a point about, Tsitsipas because I think that because of Roger Federer people are making certain assumptions about Stefano Tsitsipas on grass that I, I really don't think should be should be made mm. uh, he is a one-handed backhand he has a Federer like forehand he likes to come forward and he's one of the best volleyers in the top 10 he's he's up there you know in in the in the Federer respect so people look at that and they're like wow this guy he should be really great on grass look at him he's like Federer uh, to me, no, he's, he, his best surface is clay. His worst surface is any surface that bounces fast because he hasn't figured out the return of serve and he doesn't defend his backhand well. And when the ball is coming quick and doesn't give, and it, he doesn't have a chance to take his, his big cuts and his full swings on, on the return of serve. And when he's defending, he's, those are his weaknesses and the grass brings out those weaknesses. I'm not saying Tsitsipas has no chance to do well at this tournament. I'm just saying because of Federer and the amazing career he's had, people assume Tsitsipas grass. And I think it's wrong. Yeah, I got to give you your props on that one, because go back to what I said after the final, uh, the Roland Garros final, um, he doesn't have the slice as, mm -hmm. as locked in on the backhand wing. 
So you got to have that on grass. I mean, big weapon. Um, and, and Federer obviously has that. So uh, yeah, that could get tricky. The dynamic one-hander, I mean, Sampras had to learn that too. He appeared in initial grass court, natural, the fast hard court training, but grass, a little different. So he had to learn to take a shorter backswing on his backhand. The slice for some helpful too, but just a little different backhand management for him that he needs to learn. Mm -hmm. So we're going to see how it, how it goes for him and how he manages that. So. Absolutely. Well, speaking of short backswings with which uh, Tsitsipas doesn't have Roger Federer's first round opponent, Adrian Manorino is a grass court specialist. I know that's not really a thing on tour because there's not enough grass court tournaments, but the man barely has a backswing or a take back and kind of just redirects pace and it works brilliantly on grass. The ball stays very low. It's very flat. It's a tricky first round opponent for Roger Federer. Manorino is a really intriguing opponent. I mean, I guess as a lefty myself with my own short back swings and redirect capacity. Yeah, he's given kind of a low-grade pain in the butt for people for years. He's had an excellent career, but uh, it'll be interesting to see how he, how he pushes Roger in this match to see what kind of tools he brings. And also to get the sense of Roger, I think, I think Federer should be okay in this match. But then we've thought that. I don't know. What, Amy, what do you think about Federer's form so far in these, in these tournaments? Well, remember, I was like on a ledge over the way he was playing in Hala, and then I talked myself off the ledge. I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, I'm back on the ledge again. <laughs> I'm worried. I'm, I'm actually worried about Manorino um, because what I saw of Federer when he played FAA in Hala is that his timing was off in spots. I mean, in spots he looked good, but um, if... Manorino comes up with a good game plan against him and Federer is not hitting his spots and he's not serving really, really strategically and he doesn't have good scouting reports on his opponents. I'm worried. But I think, I think he'll have, he'll have plenty of scouting reports on Manorino, but I think, I think there'll be some questions posed. I think the thing for Federer, someone like FAA, that was also younger contemporary power that highlights mm -hmm. Federer's lack of match play and things. I think this will be a little bit the seems like old times. Oh yeah, I remember you, these things, these questions you pose. And so it's more interesting to see just how well Federer executes through this whole match. He knows some of the, the tricks and the clever questions Manorino is gonna ask, but I think they should be, I think it should all go okay for him, but again, now with Federer, we, we're not, we, we haven't seen a lot of A form through Federer through this comeback. So it's not right. We're not thinking like, yeah, okay, Roger. Okay, on to your next one. Kind of, hmm, how's he going to look? Is he going to play? Like, he's yet to show us that much sustained brilliance. I mean, where mm -hmm. we saw the A form was actually Roland Garros, and then he pulls out of the tournament. So, well, but I, I, I don't, I wouldn't, I mean, I don't like grades, but I'm giving, I'm going to give his Roland Garros effort all kind of a, a nice B. Plus on the curve. I mean, yeah, but okay. he's, I mean, it was, it was pretty, pretty all right there, Roger. Yes. You look good. And then you withdrew, but then, but then the, I mean, again, we're, we're putting him under this microscope. Yeah. But, um, but the, isn't that what our, that's what our show is supposed to do, but, <laughs> but still, he, um, he just, it's just, it's just intriguing. It's just intriguing. I mean, what happens when he, the first time Manorino hits the ball behind him and it's some kind of drop shot 
And does Roger do his Barishnikov and get to it? Or does he fall? Does he slip? And then we all go, oh my God, what's happening? So very interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. They, uh, they've played six times and Federer leads the head-to-head 6-0. And uh, their last meeting was at Wimbledon. It was in 2018. Manorino was at the, the height of his powers at this point, ranked 22 in the world, which is, if I'm not mistaken, about as high as he got. And they played in the round of 16. So this is advanced stages of Wimbledon. Um, and it was a straight set victory for, for Federer, six love, seven, five, six, four. So the last two sets got interesting. Manorino's super uncomfortable. The ball just doesn't, the ball barely bounces off the court when he's playing because he's hitting it soft and flat and low. Like, Joel, do you do this to people? Uh, I mean. Yeah, well, like someone says you hit a ball with, oh, that ball had no pace. I say, well, that's impossible. <laughs> yeah. It wouldn't, so, have, so, wouldn't have cleared the net, right? It wouldn't have, it wouldn't have moved anywhere. But no, it's, it's the, yeah, I call it the Roberta Flack approach, killing me softly. And you're just kind of like one, yeah, a series of little paper cuts. And, and I mean, it's kind of a little more, a little more in the Santoro skilled kind of way of just, yeah, I'm not here to make you feel comfortable, but it's not exactly heavyweight discomfort. Like Federer is heavyweight discomfort. And this is kind of middleweight. I know him. But again, I think what's going to be interesting in this match is more the measure of Roger, how briskly he goes through this, you know, is, or, mm-hmm. or how, if he gets an early break, does he rapidly consolidate it? If he serves for a set, does he close it out convincingly? Or does it become a little more complicated than he meant to? So it's like he, he's serving for a set and then he loses his serve and now we got to go to overtime. And are the, these kind of comp, are the complications? That's a great point. I don't think he, he doesn't have the fitness to be going four or five sets in the early rounds. And then, you know, that, that will jeopardize his chances at making a deep run at, at his age. And it used to be that, okay, early round scare, it happens, you move on. But, but now it's kind of do or die. It feels like these matches need to be easy for Roger Federer. Yeah. yeah, I mean, anybody poses a threat. I'm just looking now at the rest of that section. Um, Nori is in there. Um, I mean, you know. Well, Nori is a really interesting player. Well, right, there's possible yeah. um, Gasquet, which is that Gasquet is easier than Manorino. I agree. Actually, at this point. Another, another guy who likes grass. grass, though. Grass is Gasquet's favorite, too. It's Grass K. Um, yeah, I think that's long, but I think, that, about I think that. that was once upon a time. And even though Gasquet has done something, okay. I think Federer, I think Federer's going to feel more comfortable playing Gasquet than he would feel playing playing um, Manorino. Manorino is going to be have his Gasquet. Oh yeah, your big ball. You know, Gasquet hits flatter. Federer. Oh yeah, this is the ball I'm used to playing. We've played each other for a long time. We start so, uh, but then Nori, Nori is intriguing. That's a third, that, that's a really interesting match. Nori's played some good tennis, set point of Nadal in, in Roland Garros at two, I believe. Home country. Yeah, that's, 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 that's my guy. That's a, that's a Spanish way guy. His, his coach Facunda Lagones used to uh, be an assistant coach at the Academy I trained at. And I see a lot of Cam Nori in, in the Spanish way with how hard he works every single point and how much he limits mistakes and uh, and how he builds his game really around around his forehand. Well, that's going to give that's gonna, right, and so that's okay. So that's going to play. Federer's going to play his first match Tuesday. So thir- so this becomes a Saturday British prime you know prime Saturday afternoon special if they meet yeah. if they get that far. 
Now, the first big server, we won't draw cast past this because, again, we are focused on Manorino and we are going to be doing shows throughout the tournament, so we, there's no need for us to skip ahead. But uh, I think it's worth noting the first big server, mega firepower, that Federer would face would probably be in the fourth round, and it could be Sam Query, it could be Lorenzo Sinego. So that, that's pretty deep, you know, to avoid someone who's going to serve massive and kind of take your, the racket out of your hands. To avoid that until the fourth round is, is pretty good for Federer. Yeah, I mean, you know, on on paper, if if it were a normal year, you would look and there's like nobody around Federer. Isn't that interesting how it worked out uh, that, that would really give you a heartburn. But um, I'm really worried about Roger's serve. So I'm actually more worried about the really good returners um, because I, I'm not sure his serve is exactly where he wants it. Well, yeah. grass, grass always aids a serve, so maybe that'll that'll be more helpful. But yeah, his serve, his serve did not look very good in Hala. Uh-uh. That serve let him down a lot. But then again, this is I guess it's such a uh, interesting microscope. I think uh, I I guess I guess we'll just have to see over these longer matches how that plays out too. Absolutely, yeah, we got the, the, best the serve five. has been the issue though. Let's 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 make no. Uh, mistake about it. The serve, if you look at the common thread and the matches that Federer has lost, that shot's got to be better. And now it's grass. This is the this is the spot. Wimbledon center court, we're used to watching Federer serve aces, save break points with aces, uh, have quick service games. So let's see if we're going to see that, that vintage Roger um, when it comes to his serve. That's the key, right? Well, this is the tournament. He Remember, he, he wanted to save himself for Wimbledon. You know, for French was the French uh, was the appetizer. And now he's got the main course that he allegedly, that he said he wanted to be in the best possible shape for. So here he is. And it, we'll see. And again, the thing is, though, there hasn't been enough performance for us. To think, yep, he got it. He won Hala. In good shape. Mm-hmm. Looking good. It's like, no, I'm not quite sure what's up with him. What do you guys think? Do you think that he's put, I mean, he he's Roger Federer, but he is human. Do you think he's put, like, some artificial pressure on himself by just being so obvious and and forthright about the fact that it's all about Wimbledon. It's all about I'm pulling out of Roland Garros mid tournament because it's all about Wimbledon. Isn't he like setting himself up for something? It's an odd it's an odd construction because I was I was thinking about it, about how other champions in the in different eras and different things and how they managed their career. It reminds me a little bit of when when Yvonne Lendl hadn't won Wimbledon and he skipped the French completely in order to play for Wimbledon, it does kind of create an odd climate around his competing. For example, it wouldn't have been bad. What if he just played Roland Garros and did what he did and even withdrawn and not made this whole ceremonial, I want it to be Wimbledon and just, I'm here to compete. I win, I lose, on to the next tournament. And, And I think people are still delighted to see him play rather than just, yes, I wish to point myself towards winning Wimbledon because yeah. I've only won it eight times and I want to win it ninth. That would be nice. I mean, it's a, the whole, the whole, it's almost, it's been a decade of yet one more slam for Roger, please. Yet one more slam for Roger, please. You know, he's had, and he's had, he's done it a number of times. Yeah. It's a, it's a great point, Amy. I, I go two ways on this either in one respect, I understand a goal oriented person. It's how I think as well. So if, if you're, if your goal is I want to be at 100% by this tournament, 
I get that. It's like, yes, let that, that makes sense that you want to work towards a goal at the same time. It's the very opposite of taking pressure off yourself, which is always a good thing in tennis. So I could totally seeing it. Uh, I could see it go either way. And again, uh, the, the mystery is what makes this tournament so great and so much on the line for Novak, the, the history and um, just massive, massive stakes as he comes into this tournament, uh, certainly expecting to win it. We will have round by round coverage. It was so much fun over the course of Roland Garros. We felt that that all of you listening and watching enjoyed it as well. And we can't wait to bring it to you uh, as Wimbledon, the championships return. Going to be a fun fortnight. That'll do it for this episode of three. If you're watching on YouTube, definitely hit that subscribe button, leave a comment and like the video. We're available on all podcast platforms and we really appreciate it if you leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. We will see you next time on the next episode of three.